Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And welcome back to the Rock Chalk Podcast. I am your host, Andy Mitz. It's been a little while since we... Uh, Came to you live. I know that the last episode that we had was uh, um, recorded a little while back and had some technical difficulties, but it is great to be back. And man, we have a ton to talk about. Joining me to talk about the Kansas Jayhawks basketball team in Puerto Rico. Um, we also have a just a brief update on the women over in Europe as well. And then football, football, football. There's realignment news. There is, you know, Kansas fall camp is going on. There's just a ton of stuff to get to. So let's jump right into it. Kyle, how you doing today? Uh, conference realignment hasn't gotten me today, so I'm good. I'm yeah, just waiting, waiting my time. <laughs> you're just waiting for the call, right? For you to realign to a different conference, <laughs> right? Or, hey, you're you're off. You're off. Uh, Blue Wings rising. We've transferred you over. Yeah, you. you oh yeah, gosh, exactly. no, no, I will not do that to myself or to you. So, but no. First of all, really quick announcement um, for those of you guys that have been paying attention. Us over at the Ton Twelve Network have been partnered with Sports Drink. Um, unfortunately that, that partnership has come to an end, but we have a brand new, um, kind of partner to work with in sports social. They are the premier podcasting sports podcasting network over in the UK, uh, which means, Hey, there's a bunch of, you know, premier league podcasts, a bunch of other stuff they are expanding into North America and really are excited to be partnering with us for college football specifically coming into the year. Um, but just to start, you know, expanding the college offerings that they have. So we're really, really excited to be working with Sports Social, um, you know, and I'm sure you guys will hear some of the ads and all that stuff that goes along with it. But just so you guys know, if the ads are a little bit different, if the formatting seems a little bit different, if, they, if there's some changes kind of on the back end stuff, it, it's normally because of that. It's allowing us to do more here at the podcast and to be able to to, to kind of support what we're doing a little bit better. So. With that being said, let's go ahead and jump right in. I think everybody wants to hear us talk about the Puerto Rico games for the Kansas Jayhawks. They obviously played three games while they were down there, one against the Puerto Rico select team to start it off, and then they played against the Bahamian national team with a few NBAers on the roster. So um, Kansas did, didn't get to see all of them. But just going kind of, I guess, you know, wide to start, what was the thing that stuck out to you the most from that trip? Uh, I would say, and there was a ton of, there's a ton that stood out. I would say the offensive pace and passing is what stood out the most because you expect in off season games, especially like that, when, when you have a, basically a virtually new team who's barely played together, I would have not been surprised to see a bunch of ISO ball one-on-one you know, like I think there's also the kind of the, the perception that with Hunter Dickinson, you know, you throw it down the, the post and the ball just stops moving and it just gets swallowed down there. That was not the case. Like I, the, the, the big to big passing between KJ and Hunter looked like they had been playing together for more than two months. Um, the passing around the perimeter for open corner threes, the transition, the, you know, I think at one point, I think I tweeted, this was either the second or the third game. 
that that Kansas had, I think, 13 assists on 17 made field goals in the first half against the the Bohemian national team. And like, that's just, you know, obviously it's going to improve. The shot making is going to improve. It's a weird ball. It's different rules, like all that kind of stuff. That was what I think surprised me the most. And there was a lot to take away. This team's super athletic. They, you know, there's obviously talent all over the, the, the place. KJ Adams looks amazing. Kevin looks great. But that was, that was what surprised me. And it wasn't even just Duan. Obviously Duan is, is orchestrating that team. Like he always does. Uh, it was again, like the big, the big passes. It was McCuller throwing lobs to KJ and just again, around the perimeter, Nick Timberlake, knowing when to take a shot and when to pass it up for an open guy, even, Jamari McDowell making the right pass on sometimes that stood out as something you don't normally see in August and is only going to get better as the season goes along. Yeah, I think that was the big thing for me is that they appeared to be in, you know, early midseason form. So like, you know, early conference play form. The fact that they, yes, there was some communication, you know, mishaps. There was, you know, a guy who threw a lob a little bit too long. Um, part of that, though, you, like you said, the ball is different. The rules are a little bit different. There's some <clears throat> things for them to get used to. But the fact that they already kind of seemed to have that rapport. Um, and, you know, the big thing that jumped out to me, I had been told that Hunter Dickinson is not very good at, you know, catching lobs and flushing it. And he had quite a few of those during the time in the three games there. So I, I think the fact that they are working and playing as well together as they have been is a huge thing. Other things that kind of jumped out to me, um, obviously Dewan Harris with his, with his, you know, third game there where he had a ton, I mean, he had 20 assists over three days. Um, you know, he, he had a fantastic game, the, the third game, where he scored 23 points. Um, or I think it was 23 points the last I saw. I'm trying to remember if that's where he ended. But regardless, uh, yeah, yeah, 23 points in that final game. But I thought I was even more impressed by the fact that, you know, Bill Self had mentioned that he was probably going to be starting different people um, at the two spot for, you know, the, the, the different games. We saw El Marco Jackson, we saw Arterio Morris, and we saw Nick Timberlake. All of them each started a game at the two. And I thought they all played really, really well. I was extremely impressed with El Marco Jackson, his ability to create off the dribble. And, like, it just it feels like this team is a lot further along than I thought they were going to be at this point, especially when you think of how many players actually turned over. Even Zach, Zach, um, even Zach Clements, you know, had a, had a pretty good... Uh, pretty good game there. You know, he had 10 points over the three games, but, you know, he had, I mean, he was four of 10 shooting. He knocked down a, was it one or two threes? Two threes, it looks like. Um, You know, I mean, he, he kind of did the spot stuff that you expected him to. And, um, you know, it just seems like this is a team that has a wealth of options and it's going to be very interesting to see how Bill Self kind of whittles that down. Yeah. And, and, you know, you saw some of the, the, the turnovers and sloppiness, but I also just think that's something that you, you take with this team because that's what what you saw from them is they're going to play fast. They're going to be athletic. They're going to get out and they're going to pressure you and they're going to turn defense into offense. And with that, sometimes when you're making, you know, deep half court passes and, and out, you know, um, uh, outlook passes and different stuff, like it, you're going to have more turnovers. You take those for all the good that comes with it. So, you know, you might turn it over a couple more times a day if you would, if you were going slower pace and, and less risk, but the, the reward is much bigger. And you're right. There's these pieces that I think even, you know, Amarco looks green, but you can tell his just athleticism and his ability to, to, to get into the lane is impressive for someone who has not played a college game yet. You've seen Timberlake shoot. I think Kevin McCuller, you, you, it's, it's between Kevin and KJ for the biggest transformation this off season. Um, Which is I funny considering Kevin, this would be the second year in a row that KJ has done that. Like it's ridiculous. It is. And he looks amazing in the four. I think, you know, especially, again, the passing between him and Hunter is going to be scary because you can't – as soon as you put too much attention on Hunter, KJ is also just so good at his cuts and his angles and crashing the boards, that sort of thing. But his showed, he showed up as jumper. He didn't make a single three last year. I don't even know if he took one. He made two of them in Puerto Rico. Obviously, he's not going to take many of those. But um, his athleticism is just great. But Kevin did that too. You know, Kevin um, – I don't think you want him to try and and make plays for himself like Jalen did, but he showed some like turnaround mid-range jumpers in his bag that I don't think he necessarily had before. You know, Kevin's still best when he is playing in rhythm with, you know, driving, crashing the boards, just playing in the rhythm of the offense. But he showed that on occasion that he can take somebody on his own and, and get a nice look. And same thing, you know, one of the very first, 
possessions we saw in Puerto Rico was KJ Adams grabbing a defensive rebound, taking the ball himself in transition, a la Jalen Wilson, and getting fouled at the other end. So like that, you know, you just think about all of the uh all of the different matchups and the ways you can play and how many different ball handlers, you know, you don't think of necessarily Kevin and KJ as the main ball handlers, but guys who can take it in transition again and run and finish above the rim like KJ can. It is. It's an embarrassment of riches. And those two have really transformed themselves. And I think KJ playing the four instead of the five, even though he can play the five if Hunter's in foul trouble or for, you know, five minutes. Uh, I think you probably want Hunter to play like 30 minutes, Parker Parker to maybe do, you know, five to seven of those. And if KJ has to play some small ball, five, he can. But I think the four with Dickinson – who can still stretch the court as well, just the spacing. And that goes back to the passing element. I think the spacing is just so much better than it's been, especially even last year, uh, because all of those five positions, you have guys who know their role and they're good at their role, but they also, like Hunter is not a big man who has to stay within two feet of the basket. So you still have plenty of fluid of movement and agility between them and, and the high-low passing uh, of KJ and, and uh, Hunter kind of took me back to some of those early Bill Self days when you had like a Darnell Jackson and like a Darrell Arthur, like, you know, working uh, in tandem on the court together. So that I'm, I'm curious, but as, as more time goes by, I mean, Bill's only going to get more creative with how he uses them and the more comfortable they get together. That's the scary thing. And I think that's what you got kind of alluded to. I didn't expect him to be this comfortable playing together. And of course there were some bumps, but in August, after this, I th- that that looked like they've been playing together longer than they had. Yeah, there had been some talk about they were very proactive about getting time together in the gym outside of structured team time, and really, you know, everybody knows that this is a really good opportunity for them to potentially go win a national title with all the people that have come in, and everybody has that same goal. Um, what I found, or what what I also realized going into that, or kind of halfway through that third game, is I did not realize how much I missed having two big men on the court at the same time. Like we got so used to the four, you know, the, the, the four and one and playing so far on the outside. And yes, KJ is not your traditional big man, but he can play both inside at the four and the five, and he can play on the perimeter if he needs to. The fact that they have those guys that can dive that deep into the, in the lane and can play that well in the lane, but then can also pop out. Like there's just, they have so many different options. You saw the passing between a whole bunch of different people. I believe there was a, like a lob from KJ over to Parker Braun, at one point in one of the games, like you just saw guys that were doing things that you did not expect. And I think they've been doing a lot of things. You can tell how much people have been paying attention to developing those skills. And, you know, the, the, the first impressions we've got of Kevin McCuller, he seems to have made a jump very, fairly similar to what Jalen Wilson did, you know, going from two years ago to last year. Um, the funny thing is that they're not going to need Kevin McCuller to be the hero in as many games as Jalen Wilson had to be. You're going to have Hunter. You're and you don't want him to. Right. Yeah. You're going to have a lot more options. And so I think Kevin McCuller could have a similar type of trajectory for Jalen, you know, that, that, that Jalen Wilson did, but his stats wouldn't necessarily be as good because there's so many other people that it's going to open things up for. The one that, or I think the one play though, that really, I, I'm trying to remember which game it was, but there was one of the games against the, the Bahamian national team. They got on a fast break, and I believe it was McCuller that was bringing the ball up. And, you know, he was bringing it up quickly. Dwan Harris kind of leaking out to the to the right wing. And, you know, allowing him to not have to bring the ball up allows him to catch a pass and immediately redirect is where it needs to go. And I think that's something that Kansas looks like they're going to be doing a lot more is they have a lot of really good passers, a lot of guys with decent court vision. Um, so I'm excited to see how quickly the ball can get around, how quickly guys can – really kind of get into the rhythm that they need to. Um, I mean, Nick Timberlake, you know, he was six of 15 from three. Like he, he is definitely your three point sharpshooter. The guy that you expect to be shooting threes and he did not disappoint. Um, you know, you look at some of the other guys, like Hunter Dickinson going one of five from three. Like I wasn't expecting him to shoot threes, but he shot five of them over the course of the three games. Um, you know, Kansas just has a lot of options. They have a lot of different guys. And, and, and of course, KJ's not going to be jacking up threes, you know, at one. Well, Right. He he might shoot one a game over the course of the season just because he can. But I don't expect him to be making that a huge part of his game. But the fact that they have so many options, they can mix and match so well, they can do so many different things. I am super excited for basketball season. And honestly, there's a really exciting football season coming up first. So It's going to be a great 
few months. Yeah. And I think part of the, the mix and match options that makes it so exciting and good for, for fans to look is before, I think there's been a case in the last couple of years, like you go back to the, uh, you know, like the, even the, the 2018 team or some of these others where it's like, if there's a certain type of team that beats them, like either we were too big and kind of slow that if you had a bunch of smaller guards who could shoot, we couldn't defend them. Or it was, this team is great until they go up against like someone like Kentucky where everyone is six, nine or, or bigger with long wingspans. And then we struggled right. right now. You can do if it's, if it's a, you know, you can have, you have Hunter Dickinson in there, which is not the greatest rim protector, but I bet Phil is going to make him better by the end of the year than he is now at seven, two. He, uh, he was honestly better than post- I thought he was going to be like, he I was, was worried. Yeah. And, and it seemed the like rebounding. That. Yeah. And the defensive rebounding still needs some work, but he'll get there. But the point being is, so you have you have length and you have athleticism and you have Hunter down there. Then if you need to go small, we didn't even see him because he's not on on campus yet or with the team. But you could go like your point, KJ to the five, Johnny Furphy at six seven at the four, him and, and Kevin McCullough on the wings along with you know then say like Arterio and and Juan or Timberlake or whoever. Like there's so many different options that I feel like in the past Kansas there's been that one archetype of opponent that just is a terrible matchup. We honestly kind of saw that last year with Arkansas being super athletic uh, in the tournament last year. I know that was a weird game and there's so much different going on, but you know, Kentucky and the kind of the Dukes of the world who just can throw a bunch of, of length and athleticism on you. You have that now, but then you also have the speed to in the, in the passing and the defense to play against the small guys too. So I think that's the big thing. I think this team is going to be a lot more agile and is going to make, teams play to them and not have to stress too much about if there's you know a seven footer download that they have to go up against and they've got no one bigger than six nine or six ten to face them yeah to put it in football terms they're going to be a lot more multi they're going to have a lot more options a lot more ways that they can play and and yeah i was i was about to bring up the fact that they got that um commitment from from furphy you know coming into or that was that literally happened right before uh they started playing in uh in puerto rico so johnny furphy Australian who has, you know, he's being talked about as a potential NBA or um, there's a lot of people that are very, very, um, I guess, intrigued by his athleticism. I, I don't know what his role is going to be. Cause like you said, it looks like we've got pretty much everything that we need, you know, in the guys that we're playing on the court already. But Furphy adds just that other dimension. He can do a lot of other different things. And honestly, if he's, you know, if he's a, a similar type of player to what like El Marco Jackson is able to bring just in terms of the ability to kind of get his own shot and, and, you know, use that super athleticism, like having, you can't have too many of those guys. So yes, Bill is going to have to, you know, deal with figuring out how to get everyone playing time, but that's nothing new for can for the, you know, Kansas fans and for the Kansas coaching staff. So I am, I am very excited to see a guy like Furphy come to kind of be that last piece. And, you know, we went from, a ton of guys leaving and really worried about like, what is this team going to look like to now getting guys like Hunter Dickinson and Nick Timberlake and just being absolutely ready to go. And, um, you know, I, I have a hard time imagining it's going to be very interesting to play that game against Houston. Uh, that's going to be down in Mexico. There's like, just, there's so many things to look forward to. And this is probably going to be one of the most difficult big 12 schedules that we've seen in quite a long time or big 12 conferences, and I think Kansas is just as strong as ever and has an opportunity to win this one, I think, a lot a lot more dominantly than I would have thought even, you know, two weeks ago. Yeah. And if you and when you look at the non conference schedule too, I mean you have Kentucky, you've got Yukon, you've got Maui where it's Purdue and there's, you know, loaded Marquette. Uh then you take the Big Twelve. KU wins if 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 KU comes out of all of that with six or seven losses and wins the big 12, they're a one seed. Like they're just going to have so many quad one wins. They're going to have so many, you know, wins against ranked opponents, that sort of thing. Um, that, you know, this team though, that, that was kind of the question. I think the fear was that with so many new guys it might be rough at the beginning and be one of those where in January, February, they start clicking again. You have to take all the, the, the travel stuff with a grain of salt. They're playing, you know, with a different ball, different rules, that sort of thing. But, they do seem further along to the point where it's like, well, maybe, maybe by November it is going to be, you know, a little more in sync than we thought. And the expectations, I think the expectations aren't ever going to change. It was just that maybe we thought we'd have to wait a little bit longer for it to really click and to see that potential. 
And now we just might see that potential a little earlier, which is great because there's a lot of, I mean, it's a grueling schedule just from front to bottom, which is going to be fun for fans. There's going to be a lot of great games to watch, but uh, there's also not a ton of nights off. Yeah, there's not really going to be any nights off uh, if, if you really think about it, just because the Big 12 is going to be as daunting as ever. Um, and the non-conference, like you said, is, is shaping up to be very, very tricky for this team, but I think they have the horses to handle it. So, all right, uh, let's let's jump over as well. The women are actually traveling as of, or right now. They are over in Europe uh, playing in a, a, a couple exhibition games over there. They had their first game um Actually, on Wednesday night, uh, they played the Italian Select team and they rolled over them 99 to 58. Um, you know, brand new freshman, Samaya Nichols scored 22 points. Tiana Jackson added 21. Like, Kansas looks to be rolling. The offense is just as dominant this year as it was last year. And I'm excited to kind of see what they're able to do. Um, you know, I'm looking forward to covering them as well, both here on the podcast and over at Blue Wings Rising. Um, had a lot of fun last year covering them, and I'm looking forward to what they're able to do this year. The fact that they bring so many people back. Um, yes, you had, you know, guys like uh, um, Ioana Hatzleonti, and, uh, you know, you had, uh, um, well, I mean, you, you had several people transfer, some of them that I was not expecting. Like, I was uh, I was a little surprised that, that Chandler Prater went ahead and transferred, but they have a lot of people coming in who have very, very good pedigrees. Um, they have some really good freshmen that I think are going to really help elevate this team. Um, and so, yeah, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be a whole lot of fun. And, you know, Ryan Cobbins, the, uh, the transfer that they just signed just recently um, is going to be extremely helpful as well. So they have a ton of upside um, and again, a extremely difficult big 12 uh, so looking forward to all of that as well. And of course, as we get more updates from what happened over there or what, what happens over in Europe, we will definitely let you guys know. So make sure that you're paying attention over to Blue Wings Rising, um, where we will definitely give you those those updates as well. So, all right. Before, if you're not watching Tyana Jackson play, you should be. She is fun Oh my gosh, yeah. You know, it's one of those, she got, she got uh, robbed last year, I think, of some of the awards that she should have gotten at the end of the year. Um, specifically I'm thinking defensive player of the year in the conference. Um, they are very, very ready to make an impression this year and really kind of show what they can do. And so you have, you know, those three super seniors in, um, in uh, Tiana Jackson, Holly Kersgeter, and then, uh, and then uh, Zakiya Franklin. Sorry, I was spacing a little bit there. You have those three and uh, Kansas, yeah, it's going to have a whole lot of fun this year, I think. If you do not already have your women's season tickets, think about getting them. It's a whole lot easier to get into than the men's games, and it's honestly almost just as much fun. Um, really, I think the only difference is the fact that um, it's not quite as loud on the women's side just because there's not as many people in the building. But other than that, it's, it's another great game day experience. So, all right, any other final thoughts for either of the basketball teams before we jump over to football? No, I've just loved having basketball to watch and talk about oh, in August. It's been... There's nothing else going on. It's It's been a nice, uh, It's you know, women fell out of the World Cup. Uh, so it's been nice to have some some sports to look at and talk about and overly analyze and get our you know get way too excited about uh, yeah exactly so, ultimately not mean much but what else are sports for yeah no it's a good distraction during the summer months when there's not really a whole lot else going on so all right um, I do want to go ahead and jump over to football we'll do that here in just a second but before we do that I need to throw it to a quick break we'll be right back on the Rock Talk podcast with the Lucky Land slots you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandslots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Step into the world of power. Loyalty 
and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. And we're back. I'm here with Kyle Davis, the deputy editor over at Blue Wings Rising. We are chatting. We just got done talking about all the basketball stuff. Now it's time to switch over to football. And it's not like anything, you know, important has happened in the football world recently. But, uh, um, you know, just a little bit of realignment stuff, a little bit of, you know, fall camp stuff, that sort of stuff. But actually, before all of that, um, Kansas has moved forward. They actually just announced the other day that they have selected the construction company to be working on the new gateway and that entire project to update Memorial Stadium. There's not a whole lot of details to come out from that other than the fact that they've selected somebody. I'm not surprised by who it was. It's somebody that's worked with KU Athletics for quite a long time, um, you know, in Turner. So I, I'm not that really surprised. There's not a whole bunch of news there, but that is definitely rolling along. My understanding, based off of what Travis Goff has said and, and what we've seen from some Twitter stuff, is that they're going to be unveiling on the 15th. They're going to be unveiling the entire thing. Um, or at least give us a really substantial update. So make sure you guys are paying attention. We, of course, will cover it over on Blue Wings Rising, but, you know, really excited to kind of see what the next step of that vision is. Um, all right. And earlier this yeah. week, we got the we got the weight room and the, and oh, yes, the locker right. room shows, and that was a nice uh, – I got a lot of different – better believe that got sent to every single recruit and everything else and just got some good pub too and looked amazing. And so that's – yeah, a lot of good a lot of good stuff happening on the um, – on the just whole entire, I don't even yeah, want to say, you know, like re- revamping of, of football at Kansas. And it's it's kind of funny because, you know, there's a lot of people that talk about how, you know, how much the stadium needs to be updated and all of that. And and honestly, though, I think they did the right thing by going with the locker rooms first because those are the guys that are actually building the program. As much as fans are an integral part of building that program, you've got to have the players that are able to actually get the wins that they need. Um, and so to reward them with that sort of, you know, really, I mean, it's a really nice locker room. I've seen a lot of the pictures and a lot of the videos. Um, it is absolutely fantastic. Guys love it. It's going to be a big boost for them going through fall camp, going into, uh, you know, going into the season. So I'm excited to see what's it going on. It also gets way more use. Like you, you, you oh, fix right, the right. place that they're going to spend hundreds of hours in over the course of the next few months versus, uh, you know, again, nothing gets the the fan experience, but you have, you know, nine, eight or nine games. You're there for three hours a, a week, that sort of thing. You can wait one more year. Like the, they spend countless, countless hours between those two buildings. Oh yeah. The, yep. the fact that they're getting, it's going to have is, the biggest uh, impact on the program um, and on the players. So yeah, it definitely makes a whole lot of sense to me. All right. Big story, obviously of the last few weeks, conference realignment. We thought for quite a while that we were going to get through another year without having to talk about it, but Colorado, um, or actually, I guess rumbling started right after uh, Pac-12 media days that uh, there was a bunch of people that were not happy, especially since they had not received what their new media deal was going to be. Um, and as we've been talking about, you know, multiple times, and it's kind of been all over the place, it definitely seemed like, uh, you know, Pac-12 Commissioner George Klikoff was having issues actually getting a media deal put together that was going to be acceptable. I think everybody kind of knew it was coming. Colorado made the jump first. Um, And then it really kind of came down to a, hey, we've got to figure out. And then, of course, the entire Pac-12 now blew up. Um, So Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah coming to the Big 12. Oregon and Washington going to the Big 10, which I'm a little surprised by that, but not, you know, incredibly shocked. will be interesting to see what happens with the other four schools. I really do feel bad for Oregon State and Washington State because there's not much that they could have done. It's not like they did something wrong. There's just not much that they could have done. Uh, Cal and Stanford, we'll have to see where they land as well. But lots of uh, realignment stuff happening, and it may not be done. There's you know still rumblings about SMU potentially on the move and some of the other teams going and stuff. But you know we we talked about this over on Blue Wings Rising about which team we were the most excited for. But for uh, for for here, I, w- I want to like what do you think is the biggest impact from having these four schools come in, both for this year and then also obviously for the next few years. Yeah, well, and I will say there's if you if you have a subscription to the Athletic and you haven't read it, um, a group of of college football writers, including I think Max Olson and, and Nicole Auerbach and a few others, 
had a piece out this morning about the chaotic 96 hours that led up to it. And it's a, it's a great read. And even though I think, especially from the big 12 and where you're going with this, is that it even comes back to, they referenced that after UCLA and USC left uh, in June of last year, uh, you know, the PAC 12 kind of went back to the ESPN and Foxes, the world tried to redo a deal and kind of, kind of um, stopped the bleeding there. And, and Brett Yormark beat them to it basically and got, the big 12 front and center. And I think what you've seen, it's one of those, this is, you know, this is a, it's the sad reality of where we're at, which college football, which is it. I think, especially with football, it's sad that we don't have the kind of geographic identities. You know, we're losing the geographic identities we had. Um, we're, we're moving closer and closer to these giant super conferences where you can't even play half of the members in your league at any given time. But I think from a Big 12 standpoint, the biggest takeaway is that, you know, it was either going to be you or the Pac-12 and your new commissioner was active and did not waste time and basically ensured that you are in the place of growth that you could be uh, so that it didn't end up, you know, this could have been one of those things where we're covering, you know, the Pac-12 absorbs half of the Big 12 and then we're covering as Kansas is trying to slip into, you know, the ACC or the big 10 before getting out of the last minute. So it, it stinks for the PAC 12. There's so much history there. Um, and again, you go read some of those pieces. Like this has been some, there's a lot of things to blame. There's been a lot of mismanagement. I think at the leadership level of the PAC 12 for quite a while now, I mean, you looked at the, the just complete tanking of the PAC 12 network and their first foray into streaming, which is one of the reasons why a lot of the presidents were, hesitant to go with an Apple deal, understandably so, because streaming went so poorly last time. Um, and it, it's crazy reading about just how the, you know, it it really was Arizona and Arizona State were about ready to stay, and then Oregon and Washington left, and now it's every man for themselves, so you just got to survive. And so that's the sad part we're in, but the Big 12 now benefits from it because it is in, I don't know, I mean, if, if when Texas and Oklahoma decided they were going to leave and announced that, and basically people started preparing the obituaries from the big 12 to where they are now. It's in a much healthier spot than it's been in quite some time. And, you know, it's, it's because the big 12 has been the aggressor. It sucks that it's at the expense of another conference like the PAC 12, but this was the direction we were going to be moving no matter what. So I'm at least glad that um, if you look at a map, uh, it's at least somewhat geographically relevant, you know, Arizona's, Two states away from the from the previous uh, other Big Twelve state in Texas, Colorado's fairly close. It's not like you know. There's there's the idea that I think I put this on the Twitter too. They're you know they talk about like Cal and Stanford of the ACC, and Cal is three thousand miles from both Boston College and Miami's campus. Like it just doesn't make sense. At least with these two, you get some fairly close geographic. Uh, partners there and also you're branching into new time zones and you're just kind of getting some of that out that west so for the big 12 it feels bad to say it worked out pretty well and you got to feel good as KU fans who if you're worried about that sort of thing uh are in a much healthier space than you were before I think the best part of it is Colorado coming back that's one of them that actually makes sense and it's you know I think they I think if you talk to most of these I think if you ask Nebraska I don't think the big 10 has been a lot of fun for them uh I think Colorado is going to be Colorado just fits well in the big 12 uh i think uh you know someone even said like you run a live buffalo on the football field that just screams big 12 that doesn't scream pac 12 or anything else so <laughs> um that makes sense i think the the utah you you do get a when so many rivalries are now broken you have the apple cup that's broken you've got all these other rivalries broken now you have utah and byu going to be playing conference games for the holy war like that's fantastic arizona and arizona state are keeping their rivalry so it's going to be weird from a basketball standpoint. I know we're not talking basketball, but this is a still probably easily the very best basketball league. Um, and even programs like Utah are not good now, but they are historically relevant. They've been to Final Fours and whatnot. Well, I was going to say, so, Utah, U, Utah yeah. was ranked as recently, I think, as last year for a little while. And the, and so, the Rick Majerus I mean, yeah. years still carry weight. So, yeah. So, you know, it's one of those things where it, it's awful. You, you can both feel bad that it's happening and also be relieved that it was going to be the, the Pac-12 or the Big 12. And Brett Yormark did step up and was proactive and aggressive. And, uh, you know, again, at least it's, 
those are four schools that you can look at and they reasonably make sense from a demographic standpoint, from a school standpoint, from an athletic standpoint with basketball. It's not like we went out and got, you know, Boston college and, and I know they're talking about UConn, which is another one of those, but you know, you're not, you're not, you're not making it tough on student athletes. So from, from a big 12 standpoint, it, you know, it worked out really well, I guess. Yeah. I would say that the big 12 probably did everything they possibly could have to build their own stability, get themselves to a point where now, you know, the member schools can enjoy the the seasons coming up. There's not that say, you know, I can't, I can't, uh, you know, stress how stressful it was to have those years where, you know, me as a fan was like, is our conference even going to be around, you know, in the next five years to have that weight lifted off of my shoulders, to not have to worry about that for my teams that I'm, you know, rooting for. I can't imagine those that are actually competing, you know, worrying about that sort of stuff or those that are, you know, kind of doing the administration for those teams. Like that's a huge weight off of their shoulders. It gives them a good opportunity, I think, to kind of enjoy what we've got set up and what we're going to be able to do. So I'm, I'm super excited for all of the, you know, for everybody that uh, gets an opportunity, um, to be able to play in the new big 12. Yes. We're just now, you know, we added four new schools this year and now we have to get ready for another four new schools next year. Um, which is fine with me. You know, we, we all, we all knew that we were trending towards super conferences. The question was which one was going to get cannibalized first. So, um, yes, I, I, you know, as much as everyone laments the loss of the PAC 12, I think this has been inevitable for quite a while. That some major, one of the five major conferences remaining, uh, you know, and I don't really count the the breakup of the Big East as one because if you really think about it, that was two different conferences that were meshed together into a bigger one. Um, right. You know, so but it's you know you knew that something like this was going to happen. We were going to lose a conference that had been around for a really long time. Um, and so I'm just glad it wasn't the Big Twelve. I'm just glad that we you know have a group now. Even even though, and I I made this argument over on Blue Wings Rising. Yes, we lost Oklahoma and Texas, which lowers the the ceiling for what this conference could be in terms of if everybody's good and you know what they could look like. But you raised the floor tremendously with all the stability, all of the you know the parity between a lot of the different teams. It's like we are probably never going to be in a situation where people are going to say the Big Twelve is the best football conference ever because whether that's you know nice or not, or whether that is, um, I guess true or not doesn't even really matter at this point, but nobody's ever going to be able to say that the big 12 is bad at football. Like they have a lot of really good teams that are going to show out really well, that are going to play really well. And it's going to be entertaining. And that's the main things you want from college football. And I think right now, when you, especially when you look at it, this is such a moving target is that it seems like, I don't, I, I don't want this, I don't want this word to be taken the wrong way, but it seems like the, the big 12 schools of right now are content, which is not a bad place to be. Cause you mentioned, getting Texas and, and Oklahoma, they're leaving. But I mean, all of those years of having to sit there in Texas and Oklahoma dangle their threats about, like you look at right now, the ACC, Florida State is trying right. to go private equity to maybe get out of there. UNC and Virginia are like, you know, rumored as potentially looking at if, you know, do they leave the ACC trying to toy with it? You don't see that from the Big 12 right now. Like obviously it made the move, it's aggressive. And I think part of that too is not only did you survive the first cut, but you now have a group that at least now, and things can change, you know, from a public standpoint, everyone's kind of happy where they are. You've got a new, you've got a new media rights deal that is not the best in the world, but it's, it's much, you know, it's, it's strong for right now. You've got, um, you've got, you're growing, you know, I know your Mark's doing a great job of trying to expand into even, you know, other markets and just, and, and try to raise awareness and, and engagement as much as possible. But like, you look at the ACC and the Big 12 right now, I'd be a little more worried as an ACC fan, just like as my team, like are two or three of these schools going to try and, and, you know, they're basically also given the same amount of media uh, rights right now. So like it's, it's a comparable comparison. feels like the Big 12 is much more stable right now than the ACC is. And yes, the ACC has Clemson. So for football, Florida State's kind of back, you know, maybe it's a little more top tier, but you know, Notre Dame won't commit to them fully. Florida State's wanting out. Who knows what Clemson's going to do? Like, I, it seems like the Big 12 is just on a little bit more solid, stable ground at the moment. Yeah, well, uh, and, and what we found is that a lot of the major conferences, you know, Pac-12, Big 12 for quite a while, and the ACC have two or three, you know, flagship programs that kind of carry the water for everyone else, which is the way that, you know, college athletics has been set up for a really, really long time. Um 
you know, Big 12 was kind of the first one that had to deal with with their best teams leaving, and they were able to survive. Pac-12 had to deal with their best teams leaving, and they weren't able to survive. Um, I will be interested to see what the ACC is able to do, because if you really look at it, they've got, you know, three probably three programs that could carry the conference. And if they lose all three of them, or even lose two out of three of them, like, does everybody, is everybody else able to hold it together? Um, you know, if we get down to three conferences, I think it'll be because the ACC isn't able to, to keep it together. And so... I'm not worried anymore, though, about the Big 12 falling apart. Like, the Big 12 could even lose additional schools, right? Like, you know, if the Big 10 comes calling and Kansas size leave, I would be absolutely not worried at all about the Big 12 itself, you know, coming together and staying together. If the SEC decides that they want to poach somebody for whatever reason or the Big 10 wants to come in and poach somebody, again, I have no idea who that would be. But if a couple schools were to leave, I, I don't see the Big 12 having a problem. Now that they have eight – or, I'm sorry, now, now that they have 16 schools um, – you know, they could handle losing a couple if they needed to because of other moves that were being made elsewhere. I don't think that I don't think that the the makeup of the Big 12 is ever going to get them to the point where everybody th- says that they are, you know, the top conference or the second top conference, but you don't need to be that. There's plenty of room in college football. There's plenty of room in a lot of different places for guys or for people that are not the, you know, clear leaders or the the clear ones that everybody looks to. There's plenty of other, you know, kind of middle tier or even high tier um spots to be filled. So I think the big 12 is set up really well for that. All right. Before we turn this into a, a realignment podcast episode. Um, I mean, I think that about covers it. Yes. I'm really excited. We'll dive more into a lot of these teams and, and, you know, obviously next summer we're going to get to know a lot of the teams very, very well um, as we get ready. But I, I know I will be watching more PAC 12 this year than I ever have, because I'll want to kind of see some of these teams that are coming in. Um, and, you know, maybe I guess that's a silver lining for them is that on the way out, they're going to have, you know, more people that are paying attention because it's the last time they're going to be able to do it. So, but so you still have a Pac-12 network that no one can. Well, no, no, that, that's a good point. I don't know how I'm going to watch it on the Pac-12 network, but um, all right. So jumping over to Kansas specifically, because Kansas has had fall camp. They are, I think, six days into fall camp. They pick it back up tomorrow, tomorrow being Friday when this episode is going to come out. Um, you know, they've already had, there's been a lot of reports about guys that are coming in, guys that are, you know, ahead of schedule, what they're expecting from all of the coverage you've been able to, to kind of absorb. What do you think is the biggest storyline to come out of fall camp so far? So fall camp is a little like your basketball team going to Puerto Rico in August. It's like, you have to take some of it with a grain of salt of what you see and what you hear, because of course, everything you hear is, is great stuff, but it's, you know, Hey, they're, they're really buying into the little things and there's so much, you know, better, like the work ethic is great. And there's so much more uh, athletic and strong than we were at this point last year and all that sort of thing. And so that is great to, to hear. It's just, you know, some of it, what else are they expected to say? So you have to, you know, take some of it with a grain of salt, but I think, especially on the defensive side, which I think has been most everyone's concern, it, it makes me feel better that I'm hearing a lot of that this linebacker group might be uh, one that's going to be better than anyone's thinking of. And, and especially Taiwan Berryhill and, and Craig Young. And obviously we kind of know what Rich Miller is. Um, I'm, I'm interested to see from that group. That's good to hear. Also hearing a ton of praise on, on Kobe Bryant, which is great. And, you know, he's earning a lot of uh, accolades in the preseason, which is well-deserved. So, you know, I, Obviously, the big question is now is who's going to rush the passer and how's the defensive front going to look. Uh, but you're right. The, there's guys who you're hearing are coming in and they're a little ahead of schedule. Um, obviously, Jalen Daniels in the back is something that is you, keeping a good eye on. But also, that's where it's so nice to have Jason Bean back. Um, because even just thinking, you, know, you look at Iowa State right now, they might have their quarterback not play because of gambling on yeah. their, uh, you know, he might not, he has other things to worry about. I'm pretty sure he's that. done. That story. Honestly, wild one. So. He's probably done. And so their, their other option is either a true freshman or a redshirt freshman who, or sorry, a sophomore uh, who completed or even attempted 15 passes last year, seven for 15 for an interception. So like, those are your options. Iowa state now sell the under uh, if, if Hunter Deckers isn't playing because there's nothing there. So even, I'm not worried about the Jalen Daniels back stuff right now. It's very early, but it just makes me feel so much better that Jason Bean is there because there's not the drop-off that you even saw last year with Oklahoma State when Spencer uh, Sanders couldn't play and what they went through. So 
uh, it's all good stuff. Again, what do you expect him to say? But I am, I am, I'm hopeful that the defense is moving on schedule or ahead of schedule as well as what we're hearing coming out of camp to start. Yeah. I mean, and you know, we've, we've, we talked about it before the, you know, Jalen Daniels getting named the offensive preseason player of the year in, in the big 12, like, you know, there's eight different players that are on the watch list for the award that goes to the best player at their position. You know, you got Mason Fairchild, um, you got Mike Nowitzki, you've got uh, Kobe Bryant, you've got uh, Kenny Logan, you've got obviously Jalen Daniels, you've got both Daniel Hyshaw and Devin Neal that are on the running back one. Like, you've got guys all across the team who are getting recognized for how good they were last year and the expectations that are being put on them to potentially be in the running for a lot of these. Um that's not something that even three years ago you probably would have thought you'd you'd be hearing in quite a while. So the fact that they've been able to turn it around this quickly. Um, but, you know, you talked about pass rushing. Like, they brought in – they kind of employed the same strategy as they did the prior year where they tried to bring in some guys who could potentially be those top-tier pass rushers and do it a little bit differently and then rely on the depth that they have. You know, I think they've done a similar sort of thing. They brought in Devin Phillips who had – you know, he was a, a three-year starter, played all three – seasons over at Colorado state every single game. Um, and then you have, uh, you know, you have Gage keys who came in and while he didn't get to play a ton, he was a guy that Jim Panagos had recruited, you know, before his time at Kansas. And so, you know, it's, it's guys that they're familiar with guys that they know that can handle the system that they're wanting to, to put in. And, you know, I think that's the thing that's the most, the most interesting to me is the fact that those guys are ahead, not because of you know they're just like super freaky athletic and you know they're they're beating up guys in camp it's like no they they have a head start on the things that have made Kansas successful in the past which is absorbing the system understanding how to play in this type of system and how to get ready for college football um you know so they've 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 continually looked for guys like that I'm also super excited I think the player that I'm one of the players I'm most excited to see is Craig Young. You know, last year he kind of played a, a triple role. He he was, uh, you know, he was technically a linebacker, but he lined up at safety quite a bit. He had some massive hits uh, from the safety position, and then he also was the fifth the fifth defensive back and played cornerback. In fact, he played so much cornerback that he was over on Pro Football Focus rated as a cornerback, which is not something you typically see from a linebacker. So. You know, he's, he's, yeah, for the, the guy who averaged the, who was second in your team in sacks for the year. Yeah, right, exactly. That's, exactly. Yeah, that's not a cornerback. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, I'm excited to see what he's able to do. He's probably a guy that I could think could break out. And we, we have some other roundtables coming up over at Bluings Rising talking about breakout players and some other things that we're expecting to see. So, um, and if you, and if you want more Craig Young talk, I'm your guy because I've been on him since he started. And that's, that's who my, that's who my breakout player is. No spoilers. Still go read it. But, uh, yeah, he's, <laughs> I can't I can't get off that bandwagon now. I started this. Oh bandwagon. gosh, no. Yeah, exactly. So no, I'm excited to see this defense. And obviously the offense is going to be phenomenal. You know, they're talking about uh th- there was a few articles and including it was included in my write-up as well that, you know, Kotelnecki and Leipold were talking about how, you know, they have so many people back, which means that they're able to do a lot of different things. They're able to incorporate a lot more. They can get a lot weirder with the playbook because people already know what's going on with the playbook. Um, you know, and they're pulling a page from the Kansas City Chiefs and allowing the players to submit, um, you know, suggestions for what they can do. It sounds like they've already found a couple plays coming from players that they're getting ready to incorporate into the playbook. So we'll see what they are. I can't wait to get, you know, to find something super creative and then get to ask in the press conference afterwards if, oh, yeah, hey, was that the one that, you know, X player went ahead and submitted? I'm sure that they'll go ahead and call that out immediately. Um, just knowing the way that these guys operate. So I am super excited to see what they're able to do through the rest of fall camp. Um, and yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I can't wait for the football season to start. I am so ready for it to start at this point. So any, any other thoughts? Especially, Go ahead. No, I was just, especially with all the alignment talk and, and going on and on about media numbers and all that. And like, I just want some, some actual football to watch and talk about instead of all of the other stuff. And especially when, you know, there's, there's been more hype around this team and expectations than we've had in recent years, even though I did see that KU is one of the top uh, most bet on the unders uh, for the win yeah, for the year. I, I think saw that. That's ridiculous. At their six, which is interesting, but, but Hey, that's fine. That actually is probably good. Give them, give them a little more fuel, but yes, this team is um, I think that's the biggest thing that, you know, again, take all of the, the kind of 
talking points at the beginning of, of fall camp with a grain of salt, but there was a lot and lot of quotes from this team about how they're not satisfied for, for, from last year. They're actually just hungrier now. Like they, they got a, a glimpse of it, but they're upset with how the second half of the year went with going one and seven to end the year. And that's only kind of fueled that fire more. And now you're right. You have so many guys. Like if you look at the, I mean, the starting secondary, you, know, you got Melo Donson, Kenny Logan, OJ Burroughs, and, and Kobe Bryant. Like those are all guys who have been in the system now for several years and and know what they're doing. And you got another year of Craig Young and another year of Rich Miller. And so I I think that uh, all the wide receivers, you know, you you still got Luke Grimm, the Mister Dependable, and, and you got Quentin Skinner for the long ball. Like there's there's just so many options here, and uh, you know. You can even afford to rest Jalen Daniels in his back as much as you need because Jason Bean can go out and beat Missouri State in week one if he has to. And then, you know, you've got a really good test. It's a physical team in Illinois in week two, which is, is going to be a fun one as well. I'm glad that one's at home because that's uh, that's yeah. one of those where, you know, you talk about the basketball non-conference and how just so many – Test early, like that's going to be a fascinating one to see where where they're at right off the bat. Yeah, it's funny that's that's going to be one that I don't think either of these teams thought was going to be this difficult when they scheduled it initially. So um, back in the Charlie Weiss uh, right. years, it'll yeah. be a really nice test uh, that will allow Kansas to kind of get a clear indication pretty early where they're at. So, all right, I think that's going to go ahead and do it for us today, Kyle. Thank you so much for joining me. We will be sure to catch more and more of the fall camp news as it comes out as we get ready for the beginning of the season. Uh, we are going to continue with a vengeance, our uh, opponent previews coming up on the podcast. We had to take a little bit of an unexpected break. So early next week, expect to hear about the Oklahoma State Cowboys. Um, and then we will roll right in and try to get caught up with Kyle's wonderful opponent previews that are, you know, part of the countdown. So eventually we're going to get caught up so that we're at the same spot as him. But uh, make sure you guys are paying attention to the feed. Uh, if you have not already, please do go out wherever you get your podcasts, where it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, any of the other million apps that are out there, just search for Rock Chalk Podcast. You can subscribe. Get every episode as soon as it comes out. If you give us a rating and a review, five stars, nice comments, it would be absolutely fantastic. But if for whatever reason you can't do that, just let us know what it is we can be doing better. We really do bring the podcast to you guys, get you all the information you need in as entertaining a way as possible. So if you have any comments, questions, suggestions, people you want to try to interview, anything like that, you can contact me by email at rockchalkpodcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at rockchalkpod. Again, we are part of the 1012 Podcast Network, which is now partnered with the Sports Social Network. Um, you can find all of our great shows over at 1012network.com. Um, and, uh, you know, of course, I, I highly recommend if you have not already checked out Sports Social that you go ahead and do that, especially if you are like many of my other degenerate, uh, you know, uh, sports fans who love the EPL. They have plenty of coverage over there as well. So, all right, uh, Kyle, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you guys so much for listening. And we will catch you guys next time on the Rock Chuck Podcast. Sports Social Podcast Network.